let's have a little recap. I'm not going to try and recap the first three quarters of the last session because it was just um, the beautiful chaos of, of you lot doing whatever you lot do. But I'll recap your visit to the University of San Francisco, invited by your good friend Howard Randolph, Professor Howard Randolph, to help him with some Egyptian translation. You arrived and were made welcome. And you were there for a meeting with a particular woman. I don't recall whether you know that her profession. Do you know her profession? I can't remember. Don't remember. Did anyone remember? Let's say you don't for now. Yeah, I don't think we were told. Okay. So, a Miss Isadora Turner. She appeared with what seemed to be some kind of um, Egyptian writing, as far as she was she was concerned. And to give you a better grasp on it, she she decided she would read it out loud to you all. At which point, Emery tried to decipher it audially, made a Cthulhu Mythos roll. I think either fumbled it or failed the push roll. I can't remember. I think I attempted to push it because why not? <laughs> why not? Because why not? And felt himself compelled to join in, at which point he let out a shriek and fainted <laughs> on the ground. And that's more or less where he left it. Didn't, didn't I have a go? Did you have a go? I thought I did my... No, perhaps not. Uh, yes, you did. You did. Oh, you got zero in Cthulhu Mythos, so, so uh, you might have tried, but you... Yes, you... What happened was I didn't bail the, the uh, sanity. Yes, that was it. Yeah, yeah, I, everyone lost some sanity from hearing it. Oh, no, I can see the roll. It was a fumble, Scott. Emery fumbled. He got a 97. That's why it was so disastrous. And as you were intoning these words, Emery, you felt this um, overpoweringly malign intelligence clawing at your mind as you passed out briefly, which is not a nice feeling, I guess. And we'll pick up there with everyone sort of in shock, I suppose, at the outcome of, of reading this. And, and Miss Turner, she kind of stands up and she... She exclaims, "That's what happened to him when, when he when he." And then and then she just kind of holds her hand over her mouth as if she doesn't want to let any more words out. And she she's kind of looking at you all with this look of confusion and possibly some some fear as well. Him? Oh yeah yeah. No no look it doesn't matter it doesn't matter I I I think we're done here I think we're done here. And she starts grabbing her stuff really hurriedly off the table, her notepad, her, her bag. She's stuffing the notepad in her bag and she's getting up to leave. Now, hang on there, Missy. You're not going anywhere so quickly. No, 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 please. I, I, I've got to go. I, I, I forgot I have an urgent appointment. And, and she turns and starts heading towards the door. As she does this, you see a couple of loose, like, sheets of paper have just kind of f fell out of her notepad as she got up to leave. And they just kind of float down in that way that sheets of paper do in that kind of arcing movement down to the floor. She didn't notice it and she turns to leave. I'm going to run in front of her and hold the door. <laughs> okay. A handful assist in that endeavor. <laughs> and she says, please, miss, uh, uh, look, I, I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't mean any trouble. I, I, I just wanted to find out what this thing was. And, and, and look, it, it's, 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 it's freaking me out. Please, please let me go. Uh, while she's talking, can I grab the notes? Uh, yes, you can. Rita, Dr. Emery's on the floor. Now, you can't just be running off now. 
Well, I, I, I'm sure he'll be okay in a minute. Just maybe a, a nip of brandy or something. We don't want to get that, go down that route. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you can make a, a social role of some kind, Rita, to try and persuade her to, to kind of not try and just push past you and leave. I guess you wouldn't let her anyway, but do you, do you want to try and convince her to explain more or, or what do you want to do? I'll give it a try. I've got Persuade 25. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, 84. I've rolled 84. It didn't work. She, she just, she looks into your eyes pleadingly and says, please, miss, I, I, I didn't mean any trouble. I didn't mean it caused any harm. I, I you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm just a journalist. I'm just, I'm just chasing up a story. That's all. That's all. Honestly, I got to leave. I got to leave. And she kind of tries to reach behind you. I'm afraid you're not persuading me well enough there, missy. Hamp, you're, you're kind of standing by the door. Do you want to do anything, say anything? Uh, Hamp doesn't have much in the way of personality. So <laughs> he, he's just kind of adrift here. He's just kind of seeing what's going down. I, I don't think he'll, he'll make any real effort to stop anyone. Okay, so you're not going to block her. You're not going to like... Hamp, Hamp, can you just please do something? Oh, you can't hold a woman against her wheel. What about you, Milton? What's your perspective on this? Well, I, I'm looking at these papers. I'm. Uh... Okay. Are you doing it very overtly, or are you? Well, I, I'm assuming that she's got her back to me because she's engaged with the, whoever's blocking the door, and I'm just kind of trying to get a sneaky look at these sheets of paper, I, assuming she's still not aware that she's dropped them. Yeah, she's not aware, and you see that one of them is um, obviously a newspaper cutting, and the other is a leaf from from her notebook, seemingly also written in shorthand. Can I stuff them in my pockets, thinking that we're she's possibly going to get away? So I will. Yeah, yeah so that seems like a plan. Yeah. At this point, Emery, you're, you're you're coming too, and you see this sort of scene, this scene of drama in front of you. That the lady who who caused your little tumble is is trying to get out of the room and uh, trying to get out of uh, uh, Randolph's office. Did I hear someone mention brandy? <laughs> Randolph says. Yes, I've got some in my drawer, but um, maybe you want to sit down on the chair for a bit there, Emery, before you uh, hit the sauce again. Uh, yes, yes, uh, I suppose so. Um, if, if someone could oblige me with a hand up, uh, my, my hips aren't quite what they used to be. <laughs> I think I think Randolph will, will, will do that. Um, he, he's probably just as frail as you are, so the, the sight of these two frail old men trying to re... re <laughs> yes, we can imagine that, him trying to haul you up and maybe you falling on top of you, or tro almost falling on top of you. At, at which point... Miss Turner, clearly realising that um, you don't really want her to leave, she says, "Okay, look, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I know, but, but honestly, I, 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 I don't know much. I, I don't know much more than than you might know about this. You, you seem to know these, this. I mean, your friend, he knew the words. I mean, I mean, maybe he knows what this is all about. Yes, yes. I'm. This appears to be." Well, some sort of incantation designed to make contact with something, I think, powerful and unwholesome. I, I'm, I can still feel it just scratching at the back of my brain a little, so Randolph, old chap, if you could hurry up with that brandy, it would, I think, be uh, most helpful right now. So, so Randolph <laughs> does go over to fetch the brandy at this point, and then Miss Turner... She turns around to face you all, and she says, Look, I, I heard those words 
before when I was researching a story, uh, but uh, the man who, who spoke them, he's dead now. He died. It was a car crash or something. There was, it was in the papers a while back. Uh, Paul Collins. He said he had a, a story for, 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 the, for our paper and uh, he showed me this thing and spoke the words, but look, I, th that's all I know. That's all I know. You gotta understand, you gotta believe me. I, will, will you please let me pass now, miss? She turns back to Rita. Uh, Miss Turner, if I may, you have brought this horror into our midst. You have asked for assistance, and now that we are beginning to scratch the surface and understand what it is, you are running away from the whole thing. I, I, I hesitate to pass judgment, but you do seem to be a rather poor journalist. <laughs> she, she sort of, her expression of, of contrition and, and perhaps like fear turns a bit fiery and her, her normal character comes out and she says Mister, I don't think you've got any right to judge my qualities as a journalist I take objection to that I mean, for a start it's Doctor, not Mister, and I too have worked as a journalist, you might be familiar with some of the work that I've done for the Daily Scoop <laughs> Well, I, I don't know about that, but Yeah, the case of the dog in the night, I think Look, what you said a minute ago, that's that's crazy. You said it's a spell or something, or magic, or black magic, witchcraft. I mean, that stuff don't exist. I mean... And yet, here we are. It absolutely don't exist. What, what are we talking about here? Is this worth anything? What's the money involved in this? Can I ask what you were hoping to get from this visit and bringing this, these notes here? Well, you know, I'm following up the story. I wanted to find out what was written on that what that Mr. Collins wrote, had on the paper. Mm. And the moment you get a whiff of what what might be going on, you, you're out the door? I don't know, the, the whole thing just seems too crazy. I mean, how could speaking some words cause, cause this guy to crash his car? It, 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 it don't make any sense. Oh, I think it's perfectly understandable, says Emery, rubbing his head. <laughs> I mean, you must have felt something as well when we were speaking those words just now. They are more than just words. I don't believe in that kind of stuff, but yeah, you're, uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling a bit creeped out now by, by what you're saying. And whenever the going gets difficult on a story, is it normally your habit to run away from it? Well, no. Oh, there we have it. But, uh, look, and then she turns to the professor and says, Professor, uh, Professor Randolph, uh, th th these friends of yours, th th they seem awfully pushy, and, and you know I came here on good faith. I I, I didn't expect this kind of treatment. You, you know, this is this is you're holding me captive right now. Will you, will you please let me go? Look, here, here's my card. I'm I'm staying at the Meridian Hotel in the city. If you want if you want to talk more about it, you can see me there. I I I, I really must go now. And she turns and puts her hand on the door handle. Well, that's assuming that the curse that we've just unleashed doesn't kill you between now and then. <laughs> and then she just lets out a sort of gasp, and then she opens the door and hurries off down the corridor, her high heels clacking against the um, tiled floor of the hallway. Oh dear, was it something I said? She was an excitable <laughs> little one, wasn't she? <laughs> uh, Professor Randall says, I am sorry about that, I... I, I I really didn't know what to expect there. She seemed quite respectable, but, well, I agree that, that 
the way she just fled at the first sign of any of any difficulty. It doesn't say much for her character, does it, really? Well, if our escapades in Surrey taught us anything, it's that often people aren't what they present themselves to be. I wonder whether the story of how she came upon this little incantation is as she says, or whether this is um, perhaps some sort of Trojan horse. Well, perhaps this will help, and I pull the papers out that I stuffed into my pocket, and I assume the cutting is of the accident, is it? It, the... it is indeed, it is indeed. At this point, you actually see her starting to walk around. You see her through the window. She's heading over to her car, and uh, Randall says, I wonder if that really is where she's staying. Maybe that was also a bit of a red herring. Mm, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Is there any more of that brandy, Randolph? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, old chap. Are you suggesting we follow her, Professor? I wouldn't suggest anything of the sort. I, uh, that sort of behaviour sounds a little bit seedy to me, but, well, mm. you know, this mysterious woman comes into your office with some ancient scroll and gets all flighty when you read it out. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, a younger man than me, maybe. I'm going to rush round, and I'm going to I'm going to check out her... Her, her number plate on a car. Okay, yes, very good, very good. All right, so what I'll need you to do is, so funnily enough, they, they introduced a, a new skill check in this little scenario <laughs> called uh, shadowing. <laughs> so so do, you want to sh do you want to shadow her? I mean, like, follow her, or do you just want to get the number plate? Well, like, jump out the fucking window. <laughs> Perhaps a little less seedy if, if it's Rita that's following her. <laughs> okay, well, you can make a stealth roll to see. I mean, you'll definitely get the number plate. It's a question of whether she'll see she'll see you jumping out the window or not. <laughs> roll a d6. Roll a d6. All right, okay. Fuck. No, you're, you're on. You're on. <laughs> We're on the fourth floor. No, 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 no. You know, you wouldn't jump out. <laughs> well, maybe you would. If you got par you've probably got a parachute, don't you? Uh, being an aviator, but it's a ground floor. It's a ground floor office. I, in my head, it was always at the ground. Let, looking at the picture, let's say it's it's one of the windows next to that that kind of um, those stairs going down, coming out to the front of the building. I think the major problem here is that I don't have a car, and she's getting into a car, so I can't ride see how I'm going to follow the, the broad. So I think I'm just I'm just going to settle for the number plate and then do a bit of, you know, share it with the others and then try and follow the number plate. Fair enough. All right. Could just hop on the trolley there. Yeah, you could hop on the... Well, except that only goes along the tracks, doesn't it? It doesn't necessarily follow. F follow that car. <laughs> this is the trolley drive. <laughs> Logistical nightmare. Is that the car park? That, well, it looks like it's only just been built in that picture to me, which is kind of funny, isn't it? But It looks like it's been torn down. <laughs> yeah. All right. Can you make that stealth roll, please, Rita? <laughs> Have you got any stealth? I've rolled 76 against 20. That's not good. You could push the roll, I suppose, if you wish. But she's she's about... Literally, she's turning just as you kind of slip out of the window and she's about to see you. So unless you do something dramatic, she's definitely going to see you. I'm going to shout, Miss, Miss, I think you dropped your fountain pen. <laughs> oh, so you do want to be... Oh, oh you're, you're trying to make it a ruse. Okay, that's very clever. All right. Oh, we don't want to check in to see whether she's dropped anything. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, can I roll a negative stealth roll then? Can I roll a kind of explicitly obvious roll? That would be a fast talk roll, which you probably got five percent in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just go for the stealth roll again. You know, <laughs> seventy-nine. Okay. And she turns to look at you, and she says, "Look, what the hell are you doing? Stop." Stop following me. I, I'm going to call the police when I get back to my hotel if you, if you don't scram right away. And then she just gets in a car. I'm still in the office. I'm leaning out the window. I'm talking to you. I told you you dropped your fountain pen. She says, I use a pencil. And then she turns her, uh, the engine on her car on and, and, and slams her foot down and, and, the, and the car screams off at 20 miles an hour. <laughs> What's the number plate? And you've got the number plate. I have no idea how many letters or numbers there would be in a 1920s number plate, but... You've got it. That's fantastic. Okay. And you've definitely aroused her suspicion rather, rather greatly with that uh, little display. Now, back in the office... <laughs> back in... I only wanted a number plate. <laughs> back, back in the office, yeah, there's, there's these two pieces of paper that fell out of her. So, now, now, Spencer, would you care to read these out? I do like players reading them out, if I show it to you. Ah, right, okay. A roadside carnage. Paul Collins, retired stage magician and now Hollywood technical consultant, was found brutally murdered in the early hours of April the 11th. His body was discovered by an officer of the California Highway Patrol lying by his car on the coast road a few miles south of San Francisco. Seriously mutilated. Wow. Uh, there were signs of a violent struggle inside the car. Several windows were broken and the seats torn to shreds. Police have concluded that Collins picked up a hitchhiker on his way to San Francisco and that his passenger attacked him as he drove towards the city, causing the car to crash. A manhunt is underway for the murderer, whom the police described as a dangerous psychopath, probably with some injuries from the crash. Now, that sounds a little more than uh, than was shared with us, the Miss Turner shared with us moments ago. <laughs> Dangerous psychopath, I, with the condition they described the car in, it sounds more like his hitchhiker was a grizzly bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's dated Sunday, April the 11th, 1929, which is about five days ago. Then, the note. Now... I don't believe any of you have a secretarial background, do you? Mm, gosh, no. No. Yes, yes. Was that under art and craft? I don't know whether back then, in first edition days, whether they had uh, things like shorthand as a skip. Does the professor have a secretary? Uh, yeah, yeah. But any character? Yes, they had a read shorthand skill. Can you believe that? That's that's hilarious. Wow. Does the, does the professor have a secretary? Professor looks at you and says. Well, uh, n not a personal one, but we can take it down to the typing pool. Ah. Well, if none of us can make head nor tail of it, I'd suggest that should be our next stop. Yes, uh, we can get it deciphered. Let's, let's well, when I say down, up, we're on the first floor, aren't we? I, I used to, we used to be on the fourth floor, so, but then we, move, we were moved down here. <laughs> so he leads, you, he leads you up to the, to the second floor, and after a little while... The note gets rendered into into longhand, and the lady who's writing it out, she looks at you and says, "Who wrote this?" She says with this kind of quizzical expression on her face. A right dodgy one. 
<laughs> I, yeah, sounds a bit nutso to me. And then she hands it to um, Milton, who was kind of doing the the, 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 the the investigative work. So Milton, would you care to read this as well? Or, or, or do you want to hand over reading duties to someone? I'll give it to, uh, to Emery, as he's had, um, had a brandy, and, and, and he did so well with the last one. I feel, I feel quite fortified now, yes, yes. Up, up for chapter two? Yes, rather, rather. So here's the translation of the note uh, that Emery grabs, snatches from your hand, perhaps. Ray Preparation Ziska, expected start April, May. Assistant Tahamut, obvious false name, officiates. Check book name correspondences. He and TB run through ritual, apparently genuine. Final ritual in tomb with many followers. Ziska's crowning moment. TB lays on coffee table. T reads incantation over her. Well, I assume that this is the incantation that we've just experienced. Do either of these names mean anything to anyone? Ziska Tahamut? Hmm. Can we perhaps roll to see if that's anyone any of us know? No, no I, I don't think the name means anything to any of you at this point. But I'll tell you what, you can make, if you get an extreme education roll, then you'll get some information about it. But it needs to be an extreme, which is a fifth of your... Could you do me one little favour first? Please could you tell me what month we're in now? Uh, we're in April. It's about April the 16th now. Okay. So are we all rolling for this, are we? Uh... Yeah, everyone can make an education roll. Emery got close, but not that close. Unless he wants to burn a whole load of luck on that. I don't have 16 points of luck to spend. You don't have 16? Oh, I, I should give you all a luck refresh. I, I, I think you, you all deserve a little bit of extra luck. Does, what we got to do, roll, roll under? You need to roll under, you need to, get, need to get an extreme education roll. Oh, I've just rolled 12. 12, and so, so my extreme would be 10. So I'll spend two luck on that. So how would an Irish aviator know about a 19th century novel occult romance novel. Explain to me, Rita. I was I was turning it over in my mind, you see, and I just was trying to work out how it would be. And then, you know, these names were all going around my head. And then, well, I remember now, there was this strange old woman used to live down the road from me. And she used to read stories to me and my sister. And most of the time I used to fall asleep. But then there was there's this one story and there was something about Siska and then well, I was too young for it really at the time. But then the coffee table and all of this, it's really stuck in my mind. Yeah. So, so but that's all you, you know. You know that Siska is some kind of 19th century weird fiction, but also romance story that, that you were read maybe when you were very young. But that, that's all you recall about it. It's a story. Yeah, so this is taken from, what, a, uh, some sort of Victorian novel or something? No. Some kind of some kind of fruity romance, you know, where they were kind of bored with other possibilities, so they decided to, you know, get a bit more of the, the, the supernatural into it. Hmm, yes. Well, that sounds like it's not going to be very much use to us, then, if it's just a work of fiction. 
Well, I do remember though, I do remember though, feeling incredibly sick when this old, that's how I can remember it, when this old dear was reading it to me. And uh, I mean, it might have been all of the sweets that we used to eat, but I do remember feeling incredibly sick. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wonderful. All right, look, I'll give you all that luck refresh, folks. I, I think particularly Emery could really do with it. So everyone roll their luck and, and you need to fail. Uh, right, okay. Oh, no, I've succeeded. Okay, so anyone that fails their luck roll can roll a d10. That wouldn't apply to new characters, right? We're just the babies. Yeah, even new characters. Right, and uh, what, what was it, d10, did you say? I don't think I lost any luck, have I? It doesn't matter. You've definitely spent... Wow, well, Milton, you just got a full 10. Poor old Emery is creeping along there. <laughs> if, we can, if we can play enough sessions, he might get up to 30 at some point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, anyway, this all is very intriguing. And, and Randall says, This is all rather rum, don't you think, Emery? Death on the road and 19th century pot boilers. What's it all got to do with, with this lady and, and this Egyptian... Well, not Egyptian, whatever the hell that was. Uh, yes, I obviously there is something strange afoot. Uh, well, I, I, think, I think we have a couple of avenues open to us. One is, I must try to... Well, sorry, did she... She didn't leave a copy of the ritual with us, did she, or did she? No, she, that was in her notebook. She took it with her. Yes, yes. If I, if I can transcribe it from memory, then perhaps we can continue down that avenue of research. And, and also, if this is what brought doom upon that poor motorist, then obviously the other possible avenue of exploration is seeing what horrible fate befalls either Miss Turner or myself. <laughs> that is the other option, isn't it? <laughs> Can, can I point out something just to to everyone involved? I'm not seeing that there's any sort of physical object here. We ain't got no artifact. Hey, where is the money in a bunch of talk and academics? We had the most valuable thing possible within our grasp, and that is knowledge. You can't put a price on knowledge. Oh, well, I have before. Yeah, but that's that's called blackmail. <laughs> I don't think that's what he's talking about. Plus, we haven't got a lot out of the artifacts. <laughs> so, yeah, you do have some avenues open to you. I, I guess you probably need to head back to, to your hotel, though, if you want to regroup and maybe think about your next moves. <laughs> We're all together. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, OK, so what do you want to do then? <laughs> You're at the university. Yeah. Well, precisely. The university is going to have a well-stocked library. So what I want to try to do is transcribe that incantation as best I can. But, yeah, I want to raid the library and see whether, A, I can find that novel that uh, contains these characters, and, B, whether I can find anything that relates to this incantation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got this image of Emery accidentally ending up in a frat house hazing ritual. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. <laughs> right, so, Emery, you're going to try and... Hiding under a coffee table. Is he lying on, you find Emery lying on a <laughs> Perhaps if someone else better versed in fiction wants to take a look in the library for this novel, then I, I can attempt to get to the bottom of this strange ritual. I think that I'm pretty well positioned to uh, try and remember that, more about that book. 
Yes, obviously you have a personal connection with it, uh, uh, my dear. But don't take offence to this, but can you actually read? <laughs> I'd learned how to fly planes from the, from, the, from the manuals. Yes, but by looking at the pictures or reading the words? Well, I've read most of the words. You've seen me driving, flying the planes. <laughs> yes, as, as I remember, you, you largely did that upside down. Perhaps that means you had the book upside down. <laughs> well, I mean, Emery is, you, you are the most capable at library use, but um, of course you, you also need to uh, do the translation. So, so let, let's say that I'll, I'll give Rita a bonus dice check because of course she does have knowledge about this book. She, she might, something might come to her. But Emery, let's, let's, let's do you first. So you, you're going to have to spend a bit of time really trying to um, delve back and, and recreate those sounds, which um, you do get this... I'll tell you what, make a, um, make a power roll, Emery, as you're sitting down at this library desk. Just. Yes. <laughs> Just. <laughs> that, that's, that's a shame, because if I'd failed, I was going to push the roll by sanding it out again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you start almost like speaking those syllables in your head, trying to form those strange sounds again. Now, whether or not you can transcribe it exactly as it was written, I don't think is the issue. It's about whether you can transcribe it in a way that enables you to recreate those sounds. But as you start kind of almost replaying it, you get this strange sensation. You get this sensation and almost like a visual, a brief visual hallucination or, or strange effect. At first, you think that there's like light is shining in brightly from the window of the library. It's almost being refracted by the distorted glass. Maybe the glass wasn't set properly and it's kind of shining into your eyes. And then, and then you realize that it's more like, almost feels like you're looking through a kaleidoscope and all the elements around you, the books, the shelves, the, the chairs, the table, the window, the sunlight coming in, for a brief moment, they all seem to sort of fold in on themselves in this crystalline, multicolored sort of fractal pattern. And you feel this intense sense of vertigo. And then it just snaps back. Oh, God. Is, is this another Space Mead flashback? <laughs> it doesn't feel the same. No, it doesn't feel quite the same. Uh, the Space Mead was more like this really intense intensification almost microscopic intensification of everything. This was, this was more like, more like everything was sort of folding in on itself in all these tiny little shards. It was very strange, but it passes very brief, very quickly. And then, and then you managed to write down the sounds and uh, yes, I, you already have the note there. So I'll just show it to you all again, that, uh, those strange syllables. Meanwhile, <laughs> whilst em Emery is having his um, third acid flashback, Rita, yes, would you like to make a library use roll with, with a bonus dice? I would like to do that, but, but I'd also like to uh, make sure that, I, that I've got Professor uh, Randolph around as well, because do we need library cards? Well, I, I was thinking I could assist if that's... Uh, yes. I, I'm, I'm interested to check out the library in them. Then I think we're gonna we're gonna walk down together and find out where the romance novels are found. 
Oh dear. All right. Well, Rita, you can both make a check. So Rita, you can you can roll with a bonus die. I can't say I've ever been in this section before. <laughs> Good God! I've rolled a twelve. Wow! Again, that's his second twelve in a row. <laughs> yes, it's one just covered in ones, and the other one covered in twos. I mean, but I mean, it's, it doesn't prove anything, does it? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so no, I'm, so yeah, you, you, you're, you're. Roll innate. the second. I can roll the. I can roll the second dice as well if you like. Oh no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, unless you get a zero, which well, roll it again anyway. I'm going to spend two luck as well to get a hard. Okay, sure. I, I, to be honest, I, I don't. I don't think it'll make much difference. You would. You would need an extreme, I think, to. And what are you hoping for? Finding a first edition. <laughs> I mean, it's up to you. You can do it if you want. What the hell. I'll spend uh, another six to get to get an extreme then. So I've got. So well, you can also roll the other d10 because if you get a zero, you you get an extreme anyway without spending the luck. No, no, no. So I've spent all of that. So I've got an extreme success now. Thank you, Barney. Now I've got to come up with something. <laughs> I think that the book had this kind of. It was very red on the the binding was very red, and there were these kind of you know fancy pictures on there in gold maybe and there was and it was you know like like that one like that book there ah you know what yes so here's what happens here's what happens i've come up with something so initially you're looking through perhaps reference books to to figure out why are we looking through reference books to to try and find the the author perhaps (laughs) Or, or you know, like compilations, or you weren't sure whether it's a story or a novel or whatever. And then, remarkably, you actually find that, that they do have a copy of of the book. So you you find a reference first to to a novel, Ziska, written in the nineteenth century by an author called Marie Corelli. And then, even more wonderfully, you find that they have that they have a copy of it. It's called Ziska, The Problem of a Wicked Soul. And you find a copy of it in the library. You really are full of surprises, Rita. That's the, that's the one. I can't believe it. That's very strange. And kind of leafing through it, some parts of it start coming back to you, but it's very hazy. You would have to probably delve into the book, spend a bit of time reading it to, to really bring the memory back. But what you realise is that it's about this alluring lady and it's set in ancient Egypt I'm going to go to the bit about the ancient coffee table <laughs> the ancient coffee table yes because that's all they used to drink in ancient Egypt wasn't it coffee <laughs> that's right whilst they're doing all the hazing <laughs> so so do you want to do you want to sit there and, and, and start reading no I want to take it out of the library okay all right. Well, you don't have a library card, so Professor Randolph. That's why. That's why I wanted Professor Randolph. Yes, I, I thought. Yeah. So the professor comes up to you and he says, "Oh, I, I thought you were here to do some archaeological research, not not look into some tact from 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 some second-rate romance author from the nineteenth century." I don't know what planet you were on, but uh, you know that the shorthand came from this book. Oh, yes, quite so, quite so. Sorry, my natural short-temperedness and short-sightedness, hard to shake. Plus, of course, I am extremely judgmental. This book will get your pulse roaring. 
I, I don't think my heart could take it. Anyway, uh, it, you wish to take this, this dime store ro romance out? Oh, absolutely. Come on, then. Thanks. I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back as soon as I'm finished with it. But could I just recommend this book about the Ptolemies as well? That might give you a bit of education, young lady. Fantastic. I'll take that one and all. Yes, you might as well gain something from your from your visit visit to the library. And he 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 goes up to the front desk and he gets out his his library card and, and then hands you both books. One is a is a dusty old tome about the Ptolemaic pharaohs, which I'm sure you will have immense pleasure in reading. So it's going to take you a good while to read the whole thing if you want to do that. You could I suppose you could skim it as well, but you probably want to hole up somewhere and and, and read it if you want to get um, you know search it for any information or clues or anything like that so i suppose i would suggest that we all get together back at the hotel regroup and we all we all get a couple of egg knocks on the go and do a do like you know take turns reading chapters <laughs> to each other <laughs> well i might miss something yeah <laughs> fantastic and at this point emery you you've completed transcribing so perhaps with a slightly dazed look <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, I mean, the, the second part of what I was trying to do, once I had an idea of what this was, was to try to see whether there was anything in the library that might shed more light on it. Yeah. You can spend a bit of time doing that. You can make a, you can make a, a library use role as well. That's, that is an extreme. <laughs> that is an extreme. I could even spend a point of luck and turn it into a critical... No, you can't, Scott. <laughs> I thought that too until I reread re that that page of the rule book. No. no, you can't. You can't. You can't spend life to make the critical success. No, no, which is what a shame. That that would break the game. That would break the game. Yeah, exactly. You can't do it. Yeah. Okay. No, you don't get. You don't get a critical, but you did get an extreme. So I suppose I really do need to give you something because, because really this is not an occult. It's it, this is not um, miskatonic. This is San Francisco. <laughs> maybe maybe Emery just kind of stands up in a in a daze, almost like like a, like hypnosis, and just wanders off to a particular shelf. Yes, oh, fantastic, yes. fantastic. So you you do sort of it's almost like you're an autopilot. You're wandering around thinking, where could I find? something that could help me understand and you end up in a section of the of, of the library that you, you kind of when you come back to a full consciousness let's say when you when you realize where you are you're, you're wondering what on earth you're doing in the physics section I, th this is this is not uh, an unfamiliar experience to Emery. He is quite used to coming out of a daze and finding himself somewhere unexpected with no memory of how he got there Yes, and you find in your hands that you pulled out this book, and it's a book about quantum physics. Mm. And the section that you had thumbed open talks about multiple dimensions of space being folded in on themselves, which suddenly strikes you as being a little bit too real. <laughs> which perhaps in the past you would have thought would be some strange metaphor for something beyond comprehension. You suddenly get this lurching feeling that you may have even experienced that briefly after your, your little incantation. 
Both fascinating and unsettling. I, even though Emery has no knowledge of or even interest in physics, he is going to take the book back to a reading desk and see whether he can make any sense of this at all. Yes. Okay, well, you, you're going to obviously have to spend a long time reading through it because you have no skill in physics, But and it seems like quite a technical book. But yeah, you can do that for, for a good few hours. I, I guess if the others are going back to the hotel, do you want to accompany them, take the book there, or do you want to stay in the Yes. Library? Well, what, what I'll say um, to Professor Randolph is, yes, I'll borrow this book overnight, but would it be possible for you to make an introduction to one of your colleagues in your, I'm sure, very fine physics department here uh, to perhaps explain to me tomorrow what precisely it is that I've read? Randall says, well, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I don't think it'll help. I've had a few chats with those fellows, and it actually makes things more confusing, I find. Yes, but, I mean, whatever you say about them, they do have the singular advantage of not being mathematicians. They they are just the absolute strangest creatures on the planet. <laughs> oh, God, it's all coming back. We, we, we've been here before, haven't we? <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right. So yes, he will introduce you to to one of the physicists tomorrow. <laughs> okay, well, shall we segue then back to the Marion Hotel where you're staying? So you head back to the hotel room and there you spend a, a delightful afternoon reading out passages of this extremely overwrought, romantic, quite salacious novel, Ziska. Ham has some extracurriculars he wants to get to back when we're in town. Okay, okay. Why don't we do that first then, while while they're reading, and we'll get back to them. So, Hamp, what what do you want to do? It's a it's a pretty quick endeavor. He just wants to grab that that old uh, license plate number, and then head down to the the grocer and on his credit get a uh, twelve pack of brew. And a carton of cigs, and a fresh $20 bill, and just walk up to the first police car he sees, lean in the window, set that down in the brown paper bag, and have himself a little discussion with an officer. Perfect, except of course you can't buy beer, because it's prohibition. But you can buy cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, we'll just go with the cigs. We'll just go with the cigs. Damn. Damn this era. Maybe donuts. Police like donuts. (laughs) Yeah, these are San Francisco police. I have to think they're a little more. Okay, okay, so you're going to try and bribe a cop to tell you... Uh, In the mm. politest of ways, I got my story all set. Okay, all right. So um, you hang around on the street corner looking for all the world like a black market cigarette dealer. We'll make a luck roll to see how long it takes for for a cop car to, to show up. Wow. Like literally, as you're coming out, as you're coming out the show, they just pull right up and arrest me. Yeah, they pull, they, they pull up. Actually, one of them's getting out to go into the store as you're coming out. Yeah, he's walking towards you. Uh, I'll just I'll just make nice with him. And and is there another one in the car? Yeah, there's 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 one you know at the wheel, kind of waiting. With the the engine's still running. The engine's still running. And in fact, the door the, the door's open as well. The, the guy didn't. The other cop didn't close the door. Yeah, he'll go and just kind of lean in. And, uh, you know, throw on that Oklahoma charm, you know. Day, officer, how, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm good, sir. Uh, is there a problem? Uh, 
you're reporting a crime or something? Oh, absolutely not. No, no problem like that. Not nothing at all. Nothing at all. Just, just out for a walk and and uh, had a question. I mean, you're, we're both men here, and we both been through our situations. You know, I got this little filly in town. We've been together for a while. But I, I, I seen this vehicle out at her place, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm not usually the jealous type, but it's got me thinking. I just need a little peace of mind, and I wondered if you wouldn't mind running that plate and make sure. Yeah, you know, I, I just want to make sure it belongs to you know maybe an auntie or something visit from out of town and not some other feller. I'd make it worth your while. I know, yeah, I can help fell out. He kind of narrows his eyes and, and looks you up and down. And he says, Are you still wearing your pilot gear? <laughs> I don't think I wear pilot gear. <laughs> oh, you don't? But like a leather jacket, a bomber jacket, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's probably got some sort of little leather jacket going. <laughs> okay. He, he runs his eye up and down you and kind of looks a little bit suspicious. He says, uh, Are you on the straight and narrow, fella? Oh, absolutely. Straight and narrow as can be. Okay, you're going to have to make a charm or a persuade roll. Oh, that's not going to go well. Oh, really? <laughs> you can make a fast talk. You can make a fast talk if you want. I don't think I really invested in anything like this. You didn't? Okay. Uh, let's, let me see. Fast talk. No. Charm? Is that a, that's a thing? Charm? Yeah. Charm is a thing. You'd have you'd have 15. Persuade or fast talk? You're probably best off trying charm. So you got donuts on here? Anyway? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, well, if you hold out the cigarette, I mean, you, you've got the cigarettes in your hand. Yeah, I just dropped the I just dropped the whole the the bag with the cigarettes and the twenty in the passenger seat. Okay, I'll give you a couple of bon- bonus dice on that for the, for the, for the <laughs> one for the money and one for the cigarettes. One for the money, one for the cigarettes. So roll two more d tens, and you need to get like a zero or a one. Just d tens. Yeah. No, no such luck. Oh, that's a lot of luck you'd need to spend there if you want to make that a success. But you got quite a decent amount. You'd need to spend like 24 luck. Do you want to? Nah. No. He's, he, he sort of leans over and he says, Listen, mister, I hear all kinds of, of, of garbage coming from fellas like you on the street. Uh, so why don't you scram? And uh, I'll keep these, he says, putting his hands on the cigarettes. I wouldn't have it any other way, sir. If that's the way you feel about it, then, you know, it's all about protecting and serving. I just appreciate what you do. He says, listen, buddy, a uh, bit of advice. Don't try anything like that again. I'm, I'm in a good mood today, but uh, if I hear you're going around looking looking for this car, well, I got your description. We'll, 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 be, out. we'll, we'll be on your tail before you know it. Oh, I, I, I do not doubt it. I know that I'm as ugly as sin, and uh, <laughs> anyone, a blind man, could pick me out of a lineup. So, yeah, I, I, you know, straight and narrow, yes, sir. Yes, sirree. Right, now clear out of here. As, as the other cop starts walking back towards the car at that point, with a box of donuts, of course. <laughs> well, Ham will just wander off. It, that was his best shot. He that was your do. best shot. <laughs> he, he's fine with failure. You need to listen to my episodes. You've got to put. You've got to choose one social skill and put points in it. That's the basic. Nah, I refuse. Yeah. yeah. Right now, meanwhile, back in the room, would anyone like? to give their reaction to this pot-boiling romance of, of the heat and dust of, of ancient Egypt. Anyone have any uh, opinion on this kind of literature? Now now that I'm older, I, I find it slightly jarring that in this ancient Egypt, they got coffee tables all over the place. <laughs> are, you, are you telling me this? you read this story as a child? No, no someone read it to me. Well, yes, exactly. Well, I was taken over by the whole ancient Egypt thing. But now that I'm reading it as an adult, the coffee table strikes me as somehow out of place. 
I think you must be imagining things there, Rita, because there is no mention of a coffee table in the book. It says TB lays on a coffee table and T reads incantation over her and it comes from the book. Well, does it? Depends how you interpret that. I'm the only one who's read this goddamn book before and I know that from the shorthand, that's from the book. Mm, depends how you interpret the note, but but nevertheless, there's very there's no reference to coffee tables. Plenty of references to heaving breasts, which maybe is uh, gives. Whilst it... they're chipping all the hieroglyphs into the into the wall, they're patting their chests. They're with you know, it's very sweaty work, very dusty. <laughs> he <laughs> indeed, indeed. But here, here, eventually, you spend the whole afternoon reading through this fairly clumsily written book with with very poor i mean i think emory and milton you're you're appalled at the um, gross inaccuracy of the egyptian setting it gets better oh no it gets better it gets better it's all right <laughs> dr watson is sitting in his armchair on the other side of the room reading this book on quantum physics every now and then just looking over his glasses as another passage of this this pot boiler comes his way and just shaking his head and he he says uh, I do believe that the prose in this is actually far superior and it, this is a far more believable model of storytelling. I can't wait to see how all this business with the Planck constant gets resolved. <laughs> I must say, I do feel we might get a bit more out of uh, hearing a reading from Old Emery. Where is this book leading us? So here's what you kind of glean from it. And this is broad strokes, but... It is a, a gothic melodrama about an ancient Egyptian dancer named Ziska Sharmazel, Ziska Sharmazel, who became the concubine of an Egyptian general and was murdered by him. She is reincarnated in the 19th century to take her revenge on her lover, who in turn has been reincarnated as a French artist resident in Egypt. The novel is a fairly passable occult romance, but doesn't appear to have any sinister overtones oh, apart from the prose well yeah the prose is uh, is enough to turn your hair white uh, if it isn't already but yeah that's more or less all you get from it there's no reference to coffee tables there's no reference to any person called Tahamut and th there's no characters with the initials TB to be quite honest with you, I got no fucking idea how I came to think that that text was from this book. I'm completely lost. We, I suppose, do have a couple of possibilities open to us. One is that whoever is referred to in these notes is perhaps uh, someone who is uh, an admirer of this execrable piece of work and has uh, decided to take the name Ziska as their pseudonym. Are you suggesting this is some kind of erotic role-play scenario? Yes, quite possibly, quite possibly. Well, the, the alternative is that that book is um, perhaps a host to hidden debts and that the superficial nonsense perhaps uh, indicates far deeper secrets that we have yet to uncover. And... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself thinking in terms of the sort of overlapping 
nature of, of reality and dimensions that perhaps, I don't know, if, if one saw time as a dimension and, and had the overlaps there in the same way as, as this book seems to indicate happens with space, then perhaps that provides some kind of scientific rationale for reincarnation. Alternatively, I might just be very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I did wonder which book you were talking about there for a moment. Uh, both of them, both of them, both of them, my dear chap, both of them. Could we focus in on the uh, the ritual scenes in in the book itself? So the, the the only ritual scene in there is this reincarnation of of uh, Ziska and later her her lover, but it. Again, it doesn't seem to correspond to these notes. It doesn't, you know, as I said, there's no, there's no character with the initials TB. It's not in a tomb, and... And so, without going into too much detail necessarily, are there any crowning moments in the book? I suppose the crowning moment would be when Ziska finally plunges her dagger into the heart of, of the lover who killed her once before. Uh, in the past that that was definitely the crowning moment can't help wondering if we might get a bit more out of following up this this newspaper cutting and finding out whether these people mentioned in the notes are somehow connected to this this poor gentleman torn apart in his car I think, yes, I mean, there, there obviously is that avenue to follow. I mean, the other thing, of course, that we could do is see whether we can find out anything about this uh, Marie Corelli character or the, this chap who wrote the introduction to this edition, uh, Kurt Herr. And in fact, I mean, the, this book has an introduction. Um, um, Miss, Miss Rita, have you, have you actually read the introduction? I mean, that may be far more pertinent to what it is that uh, we're looking for. I thought we were reading through the whole thing ten times over, so we must have read the introduction at least ten times. Yeah, you're, re you're really putting me on the spot here. So yes, Kurt Herr, I guess by the look of it, would be of German extraction. He, he indeed did write the introduction to it, and it's, you know, like a general appreciation of this style of literature that uh, Corelli belongs in a long line of of female authors who who use the occult to to really express ideas about love and loyalty and betrayal and to give it a sort of exotic of the moment uh, feeling you know in, in late 19th century the I ideas of ancient cultures were very very much used in this way to kind of intensify the the the, the romance there there are a lot of books written between then and, and um, you know in, in later decades about Egypt there was a lot of there was mummy mania from from quite early on in the 20th century yes there was that uh, that, that, that Bram Stoker book that popularized the whole thing what was it uh, something to do with seven stars or something like that that uh, it was nonsense, nonsense anyway. Nonsense. Yes, and there was there was conversation with the mummy and the the mummy's foot, I believe. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, but doesn't give you really that much insight into Corelli herself. Uh, she seemed to be a fairly fairly well known author in her day, but much forgotten since then. Uh, pretty much forgotten since then. And and from what you understand, she she had no real interest in the occult at all. It seems like really this is this is more a kind of thematic reference rather than anything that you're going to get 
genuine insight from. Well, do you suppose whoever it is who has adopted the name Ziska as a non-digger is perhaps someone who has got an, an interest in the more esoteric aspects of Egyptology, or perhaps is deluded enough to believe that they are some reincarnation from Egyptian times? As I said, uh, um, playing around with this ritual, it does tend to change one's perceptions of, well, certainly of space and perhaps even of time. So, again, I can see how it might lead one to such delusions. Yeah, that is a intriguing thought. Before I give you also the, the any outcome from your reading of that, of that physics book, just want to cut back briefly to Hamp. Who's, who's got rather short shrift from the local constabulary. Is there anything else you can consider doing, Hamp, to, to find out, follow, you know, the, the license plate? I think he's just going to sneak his way over to the Meridian and see if that car was just a hired car or if that car's hanging around. Okay. Yeah, so you, you head down to the Meridian. It's about maybe six blocks away from where you are, up some steep hills, up past, up through the Tenderloin, up Polk Street, and the hotel is kind of nicely situated on on one of the uh, cross streets, so it's uh, not quite as steep walking along that street, and you get to it. And yeah, parked outside is that car. Is there a driver, or is it just on its own? No, no, it's just parked, empty. He's not up for more adventure than that, but he's going to take that information back to the rest of the team. Okay. I really thought from it that you could say, I'll just get in the I'll get in the trunk. <laughs> yeah, that's not really ham. He's not that invested. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that would have been amusing. Anyway, so you head back you head back to the, the Mar you head back to the Marion Hotel. You come back into well, a scene of well, how can we describe it? Of intense reading. <laughs> This is, I can't believe we've doing doing a whole session that's literally just library. Essentially, it's just library use, the whole session. That's, that's hilarious. This is peak Call of Cthulhu. Exactly, exactly. We've gone beyond, we've gone beyond library use here. Assuming, assuming this guy that found in the car was onto something regarding the preparations for this, this ritual. It's, it's got April, May here on this note, so obviously it's not occurred yet they're preparing for it do we we need to find out if there are any kind of fruity cults in the area that are um, preparing to do something well i mean what's this checkbook name correspondences so uh, are we looking for characters perhaps in this awful ziska novel that people are perhaps using their names as non de plumes yes yes i suppose i suppose that's would make as much sense as anything else at this stage. I mean, is there a TB in any any of the characters in Ziska? Yeah, we, we, we established that earlier. Yeah, the, there is no TB. There isn't really a T either. There wasn't a Tahamut. Tahamut doesn't, isn't in the book either. So it seems like the only name that connects is Ziska. But it's, it's a good line of thinking for sure. But Emery, after making your interjections about the appalling quality of the writing and, and the and the ridiculous uh, you know wrongness of all the Egyptian scene setting you have managed to read through a few uh, pages that sort of make some kind of sense and the thing that really strikes you is that this idea that these 
additional dimensions beyond space and time. Somehow the fact that they're very small dimensions, whatever that means, and they, they seem to be folded up inside our own dimension. And theoretically, there may be ways to access them, as it were. But at the same time, it seems like our human perceptions and sense organs are not capable of ever perceiving them. So this is a, a bit of a problem if we were ever to try to, to access these folded in dimensions. And also that, that they are very, very close to us, as it were. You know, they, we may be even passing through them constantly without ever realizing it. And well, except this ritual does seem to provide some means for potentially perceiving them. But well, what? I mean, I'll relate this to the others and say, but uh, I mean, other than sheer intellectual curiosity, and don't get me wrong, I mean, sheer intellectual curiosity is what drives the most glorious forms of academia. But apart from that, what might one hope to get from such a ritual. Uh, it does seem, uh, if this is tied in with all this Ziska nonsense, that you know, perhaps um, there is some desire for reincarnation or to live again or something like that. But uh, how do these pieces fit together? <laughs> I don't think anyone has a, has a clue. <laughs> well, no, I think the, the only real concrete thing that we know is that a man was quite clearly brutally murdered and that um, the uh, lady who, whose name I cannot remember for the life of me who, uh, Isadora Isadora, yes she obviously knows this gentleman had dealings with this gentleman I believe they were onto something and that is why he was dispatched and that she is so nervous about uh, people finding out what's going on. Well, how about we uh, get a night's sleep and we head out in the morning to the site of that accident and look around for some clues? That sounds a sterling idea. I would also advise some caution when it comes to this Miss Turner. I, we know nothing about her other than she purports to be a journalist. She has brought this ritual to us. Uh, she has not told us the full story. She had this shorthand which indicates something to do with the ritual I mean, we've perhaps assumed that this is something that she's heard from a source and transcribed but what if she is more of an active participant in the whole thing what if perhaps she came to us to unlock this this incantation that you know, she had not been able to do herself I mean, we have you know, this this reference here T reads incantation over her for all we know that T stands for Turner alternatively maybe she is Siska how about plan B we we, we get together a good deal of uh, liquid courage and uh, in a vehicle and we uh, go go all night stake out her vehicle over at the uh, at the Meridian and see if she goes gets up and goes somewhere yes yes I, I do like the sound of that plan yes now, now, did she did she say that the are we thinking are we thinking that the that the guy Collins had also read the thing out 
and then he died or are we talking about two different people yeah it's the same it's the same person yes that that could also be related as well and yes i mean it's quite possible as i said before that miss turner and and myself have both brought to doom upon ourselves by performing this incantation she said that he had an accident in the car Yes, but I mean, from the description of the torn up insides of the car and so on, I mean, obviously the police suspect murder, but we know better than that, don't we? Say, looking over at Milton, that uh, we, you know, we we have had encounters with far stranger things than that that uh, would make short work of some poor man inside his car. Yes, yes, yeah. Let's say it was an an, an enhanced accident. Well, no, I was just thinking. I mean, my my assumption was that he was knocked off because he knew what was going on, rather than perhaps this being a result of him reading out the incantation. But obviously, I mean, you know, knowing what we know, Doctor, uh, yes, that is quite possible. I suspect, I, I, I suspect nothing short of foul black sorcery here. <laughs> Let, let's say that Milton's interpretation is the optimistic interpretation. <laughs> Why don't we go to the hotel and try and find out what room she's in and then go and see what's going on in her room? Yes. How, how do you propose we'd see what's going on in her room? Go up to the door. How about this, Replad? I know it's not playing to our strengths, but we could always be truthful. We, we could perhaps um, say that we f- that she dropped this piece of shorthand, that we've transcribed it or translated it, and that we have questions about it. Yes, but I don't know. Just the fact that we were able to decipher the bit of information that she presented us with was enough for her to hightail it out of the room. Yes, but presented with this, I mean, that her reaction may teach us quite a lot about her motivations, even if even if she isn't truthful. Why don't we play stupid and just tell her that we want to return the stuff? I don't think that would teach us as much. I, I, I think confronting her with the contents. Then we, we get her there thinking we're stupid, and then, and then we let her know that we actually know what she knows. Would that, would that be method acting? That would be exactly what they would call that kind of thing. The clear problem with this is, I mean, obviously, I can't be part of this plan because there is no way that she would believe that I would be so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so just to move things on a tad, should we say you've got your booze and you've rented a car and you're driving across town to the Meridian Hotel, yeah? Yeah, come on. We've heard enough about heaving bosoms. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about... It's about quarter to six in the in the evening as, as you're heading out. It's uh, the sun is low in the horizon, casting long shadows from some of the tall buildings in the city. And as you're pulling up, you actually see Isadora Turner. She's literally just walked out of the front entrance of the hotel, and she's getting into her car as you round the corner. She slams the door shut and starts the car up and starts driving up the road in a sort of southerly direction, away from the way you're coming. Do you want to follow her? Well, cl- clearly, yes, clearly we should, but, uh, but I'm, j- I'm just wondering whether we should quickly deposit one of our number here to break into her room. <laughs> yes, Rita, do you, do you, do you fancy... Uh, I mean, you were very eager to, 
Rita, you have a whiff of criminality about you. You wanted to see inside a room, Rita. Come on, let's be fair. Well, I, I'll do it this one time. But then I, I, I tell you, I don't think it's such a... I, you know, I never said anything about that. But then I... Oh, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, you know, if you are caught, you can always act dumb. I can always hide in a washing basket or something like that. <laughs> can I point out that Miss Turner is getting away at the moment? Let us not yeah. debate this any further. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so you you boot Rita out the car. <laughs> slow down first. <laughs> yeah, you slow down just enough to uh, so she doesn't um, take a tumble. And the three of you head off, following Miss Turner's car up up the street. And she's actually heading towards. It seems like she's heading out of town after a few minutes of following her. It seems like she's heading out of town, heading south, perhaps along the same, the very same road. That, uh, that Mr. Collins had his unfortunate incident on. As I think I discovered, they didn't have motorways back then or freeways, but it's a, it's a main trunk road. I don't think that's an American expression, is it? Um, what, what would you have, uh, TJ, help me with my, uh, what would you have called a main road back then? A highway? Highway, but they're probably like barely two lanes. Yes, exactly. You're heading out on the, um, uh, the highway south out of the city. We'll pick up with you in a minute, but let's let's cut to Rita, who uh, is, uh, I suppose, casually entering the hotel. Seems like you made a very good choice on who to send because this appears to be a women's only hotel for the for the peace of mind and, and sanctity of of the gentler sex. It says on a little sign as you come in. I'm not sure Rita qualifies as gentler, but um, she's certainly of the right sex. I can turn on the charm. <laughs> <laughs> so you go in and there, there's a um, rather imposing concierge. She's clearly got a bit of bit of muscular heft. This this lady, maybe she's she's a shot putter or something. And she stands there and she says, um, uh, "Good afternoon, Miss. Uh, would you care to rent take a room?" Hello, I've come to see my auntie. Yeah, yeah, auntie. Uh, what's her name, please? Her name is uh, Turner, Isadora Turner. Hmm. So she looks through her book and, and she says, Miss Turner. Oh, I'm afraid she um, she just left. She um, And she points to the key rack behind her. Would you like to leave a, a note for her or or something? I just saw her going out and she said to me that I should just go up and to to the room and wait for her. She's not going to be long. What's your name? Miss? My name is Marie Turner. You're uh, you're Irish, yes. That's right. So, hey, how does that work? She's your your auntie. You said. My mother is Isadora's sister, and she moved to Ireland, and uh, she married my father, who's an Irishman. It's my first time in America. You see. Right, right. But much older sister, then? Of course. Then there's Uncle Frank, the brother, and then there's Uncle Billy, and then there's uh, Auntie uh, Celia, and then there's uh, who comes next? Because I think they were twins. There's Uncle James... And Janine, Auntie Janine, they see they're the twins. They're non, uh, they're you know they're non-identical, and you see, see it get, there's quite you know they, they're quite prolific. The old the the grandma grandma Angelique, you see, she had some French family right, going back there. 
Oh. Well, because you, you, you hardly look much younger than Miss Turner. Uh, it just seemed a bit odd. But, um, well, look, uh, I, if you're family, I, I suppose there's no harm. Quite hmm. so. Now, uh, and she, she turns around and she gets the key and she just says, You said Miss Turner won't be long, yeah? Well, that's what she just told me. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what, miss. Well, why don't you sit down here in the lobby and we'll just wait for her to get back if she's not going to be long. Well, you see, she asked me to go up specifically. Well, because I've been travelling all the way from Boston, you see. Oh, I see. Yes, you did look a bit dusty. <laughs> all right. Well, you've got no skill in this at all. So. But you, 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 you came up with a very convincing explanation. So you know what? She just says, oh, I shouldn't do this, but um, you seem like a sweet enough girl. Uh, and, she said, and she hands over and, 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 and the key and she says, I'll send Miss Turner up as soon as she, she gets in. Uh, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell her that you've, you've come. I'd be very much obliged. Thank you very much. Okay. And so uh, you head up to the ho- the hotel room. It's uh, on the third floor, room thirty-seven, and you unlock the door, uh, enter, I suppose, and yeah, well, you are in um, in Miss Turner's hotel room, and we will leave you there for a moment because we will we will cut back to the to the tailing the tailing team. Now, has anyone got drive auto? <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to say. Who's driving? Not Emery, please. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Hamp's got some. He's got thirty. So I've got twenty. Yeah. So I would assume that Hamp is driving this hired car, this rental. So you're you're heading. I guess it would have been what is now the one. I don't know what it would have been called back then, but the the, the coast road, which you know, Hamp heads down through. Big Sur heads down through Big Sur. It's it's a be- it's a beautiful drive down, yeah. Santa Cruz, Big Sur, and part south. Obviously, that's a, a long, long drive. And oh, actually, no. It heads to Mon. It goes to Monterey first. Monterey, and and then Big Sur. So, make a drive roll. It's that perilous, huh? Well, no. This is more. Well, look at that. Just keeping up. Remember to tick. Remember to put a tick when you fa- pass a a skill check. So it's it's more about how how you whether you can avoid being being observed after a certain amount of time. So obviously you're you're following her, but you you're pretty good at this sort of thing, and you you keep a few cars between you, and you're keeping your eye on her, and she's driving, and the first hour passes, and there's no sign of her stopping. I assume you're going to just keep following her, yeah? Yeah, I'm glad we brought plenty of booze, guys. And we will we will fast forward to a. Many, many hours later, uh, you've bo- both you and her at one point had to stop and, and fill up your cars with gas because you, you, you've, you've driven through, through Big Sur, past Santa Cruz, past uh, San Luis Obispo. Boy, it's a big old state. This is a, it's, you are driving hundreds and hundreds of miles. And then you realize you, you, can't, you kind of get it after a while. She's driving to Los Angeles. Oh, that's this is no this is really no problem because uh, we can telegram back to Reader and have her fly the plane down. <laughs> that is true. That is true. In fact, that would have been great if we were playing pulp. I'd have definitely suggested that you you follow her by, by plane, by, in the plane. And after many hours driving, she heads into a rather beautiful neighborhood of uh, of Los Angeles. Very hilly, very green. 
full of huge mansions and you you realize that it's Bel Air which is sort of very close to Beverly Hills and and she drives up to this huge mansion drives through the gates which seem to be open on by on some electric system and she stops you're kind of maybe just in the in the street um, near the gate outside as she does this what what would you like to do mm. <laughs> So the whole time she hasn't noticed that she's being followed. <laughs> well, he made his drive for auto roll. I'm not going to make him roll that twice. Yeah. No, she she never noticed that she was being followed, even though he followed her all the way <laughs> from San Francisco, which is a four which is a four hundred it's a four hundred and fifty mile drive. <laughs> four hundred mile drive. <laughs> well, we know where she is now, and we've been subsisting on booze and gas station food for maybe six or seven hours now i probably need to get these guys fed <laughs> yeah oh don't um, worry i've got plenty of snacks with me big old bag of saltwater taffy as well that are you meanwhile emery is just snoring away in the back seat drooling down himself but but you see something you see you see miss turner she gets out of a car goes up to the door and starts ringing it furiously it's about four in the morning <laughs> And she's just ringing and ringing and ringing. And eventually, the door opens. It seems to be some kind of butler who's a little bit disheveled. He's just straightening his collar. And, and they exchange exchange some words. And you can see from her body language that, that Miss Turner is, is very angry, it seems, and agitated. And at one point, you actually hear her shout, Well, go and get her then! And... The servant goes back. The butler goes back into the into the house. The door is sort of pushed to, but it's not shut. And then, a little while later, the door opens again, and a very beautiful woman appears at the door. And you all know who she is, because she used to be a star. She used to be a famous film star, and you all know her. The woman that comes to the door is Theda Bara. And you can't help, you can't help but notice the extreme similarity between between her and the drawing on the cover of the book Ziska. I think at this point, I, Emery has has woken up on the back seat, is sort of peering blearily out the window, and, and says, "What's Theda Barrett doing in San Francisco?" <laughs> and I think that is the perfect point to end the session. <laughs> <laughs>